You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I am your host, Kristen Maxwell, and in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, I am excited to be talking to Dr. Sherry Price about changing your relationship with alcohol. And Dr. Sherry Price is a former pharmacist who used her own experiences with overdrinking alcohol to create the Drink Less Lifestyle podcast and program. Through her coaching program, she now helps her clients, usually women, but not always, to kick the overdrinking habit and create a confident take it or leave it attitude around alcohol. Dr. Sherry, welcome to your superpowered mind. Thank you, Kristen. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And this is this is definitely, um, especially since COVID, something that I think is on a lot of people's mind when I talk to a lot of my friends and all of this. So but before we get into all the meat of what you do, um, let me ask you my first question, which is what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind? I love this question so much. And what I discovered was I have complete control. So I would say control. I know that being in the healthcare system and having a lot of embarrassment and shame thinking as a healthcare practitioner, I shouldn't have this issue. I know better. I know the statistics and I know the traditional model to take care of um, an alcohol abuse or misuse type of issue is really abstinence. And I knew about the principles of AA. And one of the things um, that they tout or, you know, is this concept of being powerless. And whenever I thought about that, that just made me feel weak, incompetent. Um, That just goes against everything um, I believe, especially for women, especially for uh, individuals and given this choice of free will that we were given, um, you know, we do make decisions. We make decisions all the time about what we choose to do or not do, what we choose to eat or not eat or drink or not drink. And I really wanted to tap into this. How can I learn to be in control of my drinking and also take that to the next level of in control of my desire for alcohol? So not just alcohol itself, but the emotions that were coming up inside of my body that made me want to drink alcohol. And I call that desire. You could call that urge. You can call that cravings. You can call that um, a a desire to relax, a desire to unwind, right? It's some form of desire that increases the beautifulness of wanting to drink, increases that desire to actually pour a glass and then continue pouring glasses. And that's where I ran into the issue is I kept pouring more and more and more. And so learning how to really control my desire, really control what my brain thought about, really control, hey, if I want this from alcohol, what other ways can I get this same desired endpoint without using alcohol to meet that? Huh, that was beautiful. I just love how you talk about having control. 
And the thing that's very interesting is I think a lot of people, especially with something that might have, and we'll talk more about this, you know, a slight um, physical craving part of it, people feel really out of control. And I know I have been there, you know, I have had sugar, sugar has been a really hard thing for me to kick. So I want to really dive deeply more into what you brought up there. Um, But before we go into that, I do want, let's just go straight into a break so we can come back. Well, I'm going to let everybody know that you can learn more about the Drink Less Lifestyle, the podcast and the program at Dr. Sherry Price's website, drinklesslifestyle.com. And also you can learn more about um, the programs that we have and community at Superpower Experts at superpowerexperts.com. Hang on just a moment and we will be right back. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. If you're ready to transform yourself and transform the world through podcasting, we invite you to join us. We co-create a non-competitive, collaborative environment designed to support you as you step into your greatness. Go now to superpowerexperts.com and click on the Programs tab to get started today. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kristen Maxwell, and I'm talking to Dr. Sherry Price about changing your relationship with alcohol. So, Sherry, you talked about knowing that you had complete control. and so. Well, actually, I don't even know if I want to start there because um, that that's almost like getting to the end of the path, I would say. Um, that feeling of powerlessness. What Can you tell us a little bit more about what you've experienced and seen in your clients around, especially around alcohol? Absolutely. So, you know, we may not internalize this or be aware of that's our underlying subconscious thinking right? Consciously, we just know we don't feel right in the moment. We're either anxious, stressed out, overwhelmed. Um, I often used alcohol as my ritual to transition from work to my home life. So as soon as I was done with work, went to the kitchen, started pouring myself a glass of Chardonnay, and then that led into getting ready for dinner, started cooking dinner. And so it, for me, it was like a transition ritual. It was, okay, my workday is done. I can finally breathe, let down, find some relief. And so my brain began to expect the reward of the alcohol, right? And just like sugar, just like most forms of alcohol, they contain sugar. And so there's a dopamine hit with that. So the brain was like, yes, this feels delightful. And it wants to keep going. Um, so powerlessness is kind of what you're thinking, like there's no other way to get this kind of reward and relief. And when we think that only alcohol can solve this relief for us, that's where the habit just keeps going. And so I had the habit for, gosh, seven, eight years of drinking a bottle of wine a night, most nights of the week. And just feeling like, wait, I'm feeling powerless to this. I'm feeling out of control. I'm drinking more than I want. Now, I didn't hit a rock bottom. I didn't get a DUI. It wasn't like there was any inciting moment that said, hey, you need to change. It was this perpetual, this doesn't feel good in my body. I'm gaining weight. I'm forgetting conversations. I'm not feeling my best self. I'm waking up some mornings feeling a little more brain fog and sluggish. And this is not the way I want to be operating in my life. 
Um, I was healthy in most other regards, you know, exercising, trying to eat right, doing all the things. And this was one area that it just felt like, ah, alcohol had power over me. And so I wanted to really look at that. What was my brain thinking that I felt so powerless, that I felt so that alcohol had all the control and I didn't? And how can I reverse that? How can I get my power back? How can I get my control back? Because as a high achiever, this was important to me that you know, I conquered this. I didn't want to wear a label for the rest of my life. I didn't want to say I was an alcoholic and had to avoid it forever. It was for me, it just felt like this chronic habit, this chronic ritual that I wanted to root out and learn how to be around it without that incessant desire and constant craving for it. So I wanted it to be around in my lifestyle, right? I don't want to avoid bars, avoid people who drank, um, you know, just try to like, uh, just put it out of my environment. I didn't want to live in that kind of space. To me, that was more fear-based that I couldn't trust myself, that I couldn't handle myself around alcohol. And to me, that still felt powerless. So what I really wanted to be is like, oh, there's alcohol over there and I just don't crave it because I'm in control of my desire. I'm in control of myself and I can just change my subconscious programming to match and be in alignment with that type of woman that I desire to be. Mm, That's great. That is beautiful. And such a good explanation of, you know, what I think a lot of people feel and, you know, to be completely transparent, I used to drink more wine than I wanted to. And I had to, the way I dealt with it, and I'm curious, you know, to explore more as that as I just set rules around, I don't get to drink it during the week. Mm -hmm. And it was, but it's a little bit every night is like, oh, I want a glass of wine. It's like, no, I don't get it. And then it's like, okay, so I'm very curious. And so I'm pretty good because I'm very healthy, but there's that I would love to, you talk about decreasing the desire and changing the subconscious programming. And I want to go into that. But first, let's just talk about that. I think we're taught, you know, and societally, the only thing I'd ever heard before coming across you is Alcoholics Anonymous. And the idea that if you drink more that you want, then you're an alcoholic. What's your view on that? I was in the same boat, Kristen. And once once something hits you, so let's just say for all intents and purposes, I thought maybe I am an addict. Maybe it's possible I could be an alcoholic. And so once you like can see yourself in that category and fit that category, And then I started thinking about the 12 steps because that was the only way I knew to conquer this. Um, And I started to, you know, just embrace the steps and, and listen, I'm a spiritual person. I, I do organized religion. I do believe in a higher power, but there was something in those steps that didn't ring true for me. And also the goal didn't ring true for me. I really didn't want complete abstinence unless I had no other choice, but I didn't know if I could be a woman who could take it or leave it because 
I didn't know of any programs out there. I didn't know of any ways or people that were talking about this. So of course you go to the internet and you start Googling everything. And I came across a lot that has been out there. I mean, you have to dive deep for it. It's not usually on the front page, but um, there have been TED Talks in the past from scientists, PhDs talking about um, how this is not necessarily a medical issue. And we have that medical model as a way to get payment for this. So it, it's just the way our society here in America has, you know, come up with a system to help people and to also subsidize the cost for it. Now, not all programs are subsidized, right? There's really high-end programs that you pay 50000 a month or 50000 for your treatment and rehab and all that. Um, but there are plenty of research out there to say that this necessarily isn't a medical condition. It is a, a response to pain. So if you're in pain or you have some kind of little trauma or big trauma, maybe you were sexually abused and you have a big trauma and this is a way you cope with it. Maybe you have a little trauma. Like for me, I was raising a daughter with special needs and that really hurt my heart. And I didn't know if I would be an adequate enough mother um, to help her through life. So that was like my minor pain. And I was just using alcohol to escape. I was using alcohol to numb it, but I wasn't even conscious I was doing this. It was just like, oh, this just makes me feel better. And that's why I drink. Um, so when you have any type of overing, I call it overeating, over drinking, overworking, over Netflixing, whatever. If you have you know, an overing of something, it's usually to escape the reality of some type of pain in your life. So people might be you know, upset that they don't have a job during COVID or they got laid off. And so they use alcohol to cope. So what I like to do is like separate the pain from, or I, if it's a pain, you might just say it's a problem, right? A pain or a problem and separate that from the coping mechanism. And then when we look at the pain and we solve for that, we heal that the desire for alcohol naturally just comes down. Because if you're living your best life and you're getting and on the road to the things that you make you feel good and the achievements in life and getting your goals, you're not going to want to overdrink because you know that takes you further away from your goals. So generally, people overdrink when you think, I can't get what I want. I can't remove these last 10 pounds from my body, or I can't start exercising because I'm so overweight. And so I'll just sit here because I'm sitting in the pain of this extra weight on my body. And so I'm just going to drink to forget about it or to escape it. So alcohol serves us in many ways because it allows us not to think about our pain. And once we identify that and, and pull it apart, then you can really say, okay, this is when I will use alcohol. This is when I won't use alcohol. And let me certainly not use alcohol to not treat the pain, right? So if we're treating it with alcohol, we're not going to actually solve that pain. What's going to solve overeating or starting to, you know, starting to exercise, eating right, all of those things. And once we start getting momentum, you'll notice that many people are like, yeah, I feel so good. I don't just, I just don't want the alcohol. It's like their desire switch changes. It just like flips in their brain. 
Yes. And so I guess what I, um, where I'm wanting to go with this is what about, talk about how we get those triggers that uh, get us going in terms of, wait, okay, now is when, you know, now is when I use alcohol. Yeah. So triggers, you know, usually people can pinpoint when their drinking increased. And for a lot of women right now, it's during COVID, right? They had to get the kids, you know, on Zoom and restructure their lives. And, and sure, men had to do this too. But I feel like the drinking statistics in the last two years has mostly affected women um, and has risen sharp and sharply for the women. And, you know, they feel the weight of the emotional needs of the family, the mental needs of the family, their own needs in the family sometimes get pushed down. And when you keep pushing your own needs down, right? And you, you're feeling like there's not enough time in the day, or I can't get what I want because I have to give it all to my kids or my husband and I have to support him and all of this, then our needs kind of go by the wayside. And so coming back to what are those needs? you know, and giving yourself that, even if it's just like a half hour a day or planning activities for yourself, you know, instead of running to self-cope with alcohol. Yeah. And well, I mean, you were talking about how your thing was like, it was a transition. How much is it just a habit do you find? You know, it's like, oh, I'm coming home from work. Okay. Now I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine. Yeah. So the transition, the habit, right? It's just our, it's our way of being that it's like, oh, this is what works. This works quickly. Alcohol works quickly. The first couple of sips feel amazing. Go right into the brain, just starts making us feel good. And so we want to, the brain's smart. The brain's like, I want more of that. And so that dopamine, right, is our memory. It's our learning and it's our do it again chemical. So anytime that gets raised, it's going to, say, oh, yeah, this felt good at five o'clock. Let's do this again. And we get, just to go back a little bit to your last question, that subconscious programming, um, you know, all the messaging we get in society tells us that alcohol is fun. It's what bonds people. I mean, if you look at any type of advertisement for any type of vacation, uh, a cruise, you see usually an older couple holding champagne glasses or wine glasses. Um, you know, you go to Mexico and you see Corona bottles, right? So mm-hmm. there's this sense that um, this is what comes with vacation. This was, this is the good life. Uh, alcohol is a reward. And so many of us don't even know it, but we think of alcohol as our reward at the end of the day. I certainly did. I'm like, oh, I had a long day or a stressful day, or I helped all these people. Now it's my turn to get a reward. And so a lot of people have alcohol or drink in that reward category. And if you look at movies, you know, oh, if you have a bad day, you just belly up to the bar, right? Like the bartender will pour you a drink. You know, it's it's this subconscious learning that we pick up from the society, from movies, commercials, billboards, advertisements, you know, of all of like, hey, this is alcohol fits in. And of course, it's an extremely, extremely profitable industry. I mean, the markup on alcohol is insane. It, you know, it's in the billions. It's it surpasses the diet industry, you know, the alcohol industry in terms of how much profit they make each year. 
So they're very smart and they're going to market to people. And the alcohol industry knows that the fastest growing market is the females. They're drinking at home. They're drinking to deal with kids. They're drinking to deal with their lives. They're drinking to deal with their problems and they're doing it alone. And we're not talking about it because everybody thinks, so. Oh, if I talk about it, there's some shame, there's some stigma around it, or I have to quit cold turkey or that I'm a bad person. We internalize it to mean I'm just not a good person if I'm turning to alcohol, which is not true. You're just caught up in the habit cycle and you're caught up in that dopamine reward cycle, which naturally happens in the brain around certain chemicals. Yeah, there's a couple things I want to emphasize there is to just for people to really tune in on how some of these habits that we have that we don't necessarily like are ways that we reward ourselves. So sort of, you know, just like an example of, oh, I had a bad day at work. Well, that means I can skip the gym today. Right. Or I had a bad day at work. So yeah, I'm going to drink or oh, I get to have pizza and, you know, cake for dinner. And it's so funny when I remember when I first started to really unpack that, how much stuff it's like, well, this was bad or this was good. So I get to reward myself by doing something that really sometimes I don't want to be doing or wish I weren't doing. Right. Right. And nowadays there's like, it seems to me there's always a holiday where people are drinking. It could be St. Patty's Day, Cinco de Mayo, 4th of July. Um, a lot of women find that when they go boating, right? That's an expectation. Oh, when we're on a boat, we just drink beers or we just have, mm-hmm. you know, unlimited alcohol. And great if that's serving you and you have no negative consequences coming out of it. But as we age, we all know our metabolism slows down. We know the ability of our liver to detoxify toxic substances like alcohol is, there's no nutritious value (laughs) to it. Mm -hmm. And so it has to be detoxified by the liver. So, you know, in my twenties, I could probably drink a bottle of wine and not feel it the next day. In my forties, it was a different story. You know, my body just couldn't process it. Um, and then you get the emotional, uh, Roller coaster of it, right? So, having too much alcohol, we know doubles or triples depression, anxiety. I mean, it is a depressant, depressant. it's a liquid depressant, right? Mm-hmm. So, when we wake up the next day and we're feeling blue, we're feeling moody, we have all this anxiety, we're self loathing. Yeah. yeah, we're self loathing. Oh, what? And we're berating ourselves like, why did I do that? I take my trash out and all I'd hear is cling, 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 cling in the recycling yeah. bin. I'm like, what am I doing? And, and that anxiety was just like, oh my gosh, you might have a serious problem. When are you going to address this? Um, so all of that weighs on us mentally. So we know alcohol has physical effects, you know, increased cancer risk, the la la la. And none of that, of course I knew, but I, none of that changed me. None of that made me want to change it was really the mental and emotional effects I was feeling from it. It's like, I, uh, I feel terrible after I overdrink. I don't want to keep doing this. I want to learn how to be in control over this. And maybe I imbibe one or two drinks, but I really want to find that off button. I really want to stop after that because it really is the law of diminishing returns. It doesn't really feel good after that. And I do stupid things and I 
my filter goes <laughs> and, you know, and then I forget conversations and it's like, wait, I was just on a boat with these amazing people. And I can't remember the last hour of it. Like that just, just didn't fit the model of who I wanted to be as a woman. Yes. Yes. That's so, I mean, I, I definitely had some moments of that myself too. When I was like, I got into a habit. I'm like, wait, no, this is not going to work as everything else I do. I'm so healthy. So it's very, I mean, that's one of the reasons I really wanted to share this. And I've had lots of conversations with a lot of people who are really in the same spot. Like I really want to drink less and, but I don't want to stop entirely. So I love, love, love the work you're doing. So I I just wanted to chime in right there because here's where I see is a barrier to helping yourself. When we talk about this issue with our girlfriends, oftentimes my girlfriends would say, oh, it's not that bad. You're not that bad, right? They want to make us feel good. That's what girlfriends do, right? They they just want to love us. They want to make us feel good. So they say things that then we start thinking and second guessing like, oh, maybe my internal compass about how I feel about alcohol is off. If my best friend is saying, oh, you're fine. And a lot of times, you know, it may be subconscious for them. They're not recognizing they're like, oh, I don't want you to change because then our relationship might change. Right. And that means I might change my drinking. Or if you have a problem with drinking, that means I have a problem with drinking. So there's just so much conflated conversation and undertones to have that conversation with friends. Um, And then some people don't want to have that conversation with their spouse because they're hiding it from their spouse, or maybe their spouse is able to be in control and they're not. And so they feel that that's a weakness or or they'll feel criticized if they talk about it with their spouse. So what I find is women don't have anywhere to talk about this in a neutral space, in a safe space where we can just say, okay, if you think it's too much, let's explore that. What about it is too much? When does it feel like too much? When do you want to look at reducing? Like, let's just explore the opportunities and not, you know, look at the person as good or bad for thinking this and just give them that safe space to explore it. Yeah. I love that. It's not like, Oh, you have a terrible problem admitting, you know, you don't have to admit, oh, this is horrible and you're a bad person, which is the way we go. Again, I think subconsciously, potentially, or you're yes. weak or something yeah. like that. Again, unpacking what are the assumptions we're making underneath that. Exactly. Like I may go to a gala or I may go out with friends and it might be a night I choose that I don't want to drink. And if I say, you know, somebody's coming around with alcohol or, you know, they're just passing out free champagne and I say, no, one of, one of my acquaintances or maybe not super close friends who doesn't really know what I do and all the things they might say, oh, you don't drink. And I say, oh no, it's not that I don't drink. I'm just not drinking tonight. Like I just, I just feel that people won't um, or don't know how to say this confidently in a way that doesn't put off the other person. Yeah, that's so funny. I've had that where I've been like, okay, well, you know, going out to lunch and I do not, you know, I can't have a drink in the middle of the day. I just don't feel good, but I feel very awkward. Like mm-hmm. I'm making their, them uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. And that's feeling powerless. So yes. this is 
part of the programs, right, that I do is like how to make you feel powerful in that situation. And that's not like to put the other person down. Like when I say we're powerful, we're also raising the consciousness of the other person on the other side of the table with us. And we're not making them feel awkward or bad for what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, and I guess it, I, it, really I could say it just, uh, I just don't feel good in the afternoon. <laughs> like I mm-hmm. fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So, right. And I don't want to fall asleep today and I want to go work out. So, yeah, I just say, I just feel unmotivated after a a mimosa at a brunch. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. I, I have a goal of working out later and I know that will impact it. Mm-hmm. And I think having that open conversation also allows the people at the table to explore like, hmm, you've just given me an opportunity to opt out if I want. And maybe a lot of people drink because they feel pressure to drink, social pressure to drink. Well, everybody else at the table is drinking. So that means I should drink. Uh, and, and so if you opt out, it's kind of also paving the way for maybe another woman or a gentleman who wants to opt out as well. Yeah. I love that. Okay. We're all, we're almost at the end of our time which I can't believe. I know there's so much more to this. So can you let people know about, you know, where they can find more about you? I know you have a lot going on, you know, with your programs and your podcast, let everybody know. Yeah. So my podcast is called Drink Less Lifestyle. If you want to join me over there, I'm always providing tips and ways we can think about alcohol in a different way where it, it does, we don't glamorize it and we don't stigmatize it. It's just neutral. Right. And and we can choose to imbibe if we do. And in my programs, I teach powerful ways, right? Ways that you stay empowered and just bring it to your consciousness and then reprogram your subconscious mind so you just don't desire it. And so you can be around it and you can feel freedom. And ways you can find out about my programs is on my website, drinklesslifestyle.com. And then you can follow me on social media if you'd like. I have uh, an Instagram page at Dr. My handle's at Dr. Sherry Price. And then I also have a private Facebook page that you can join for free. That's called Stop the Overdrinking Habit. And there's resources in there as well as on my website. Thank you so much, Dr. Sherry Price. It's been um, a joy. I think this is just such important work at this point. Um, You know, not only even about the alcohol, but just thinking about how we approach things where we feel powerless in other areas of our life. Exactly. Exactly. Food or anything, because it's, it is so important to really figure out what is it that's driving us to show up in ways that don't feel good to us. Right. And we want to be powerful women and use that influence to raise other powerful women. That is my big mission in life. And so I am delighted to be on your podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Kristen. Yes, you are welcome. So thank you listeners for being here and showing up for yourself Um, Until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform your world. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 